Welcome to the Movie Planet Podcast. This week we are continuing our look at the Die Hard franchise with the fifth movie in the series, A Good Day to Die Hard. With Joe! You got a plan? Not really. Kind of thought we'd just wing it, you know, run in, guns blazing, make it up as we go. And JC! Alright, just gonna kill some scumbags. This week we're reviewing the final installment. Unless a sixth is really on its way. I'm not going to lie. I've loved this, the diehards. I'm ready to review a different type of movie. And like, we're going to get there. Yeah, just something else. This is the last one in the Die Hard franchise, A Good Day to Die Hard, which ne- never has there been a more... It's a bad title. Starring Bruce Willis as John McClane, Jai Courtney as Jack McClane, Sebastian Koch as Komarov, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Lucy... She's never in the movie. I'll get there. Yulia Snigger, 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 I don't know, as Irina. She was the hot daughter. She was the hot daughter. Yeah. Did you notice that she had a button open? Yes, I did. Through the, the entire time. Oh, and then I in did. the very next shot, it's not open. I'm like, that's It kept funny. me going. That's really funny. It uh, kept it, me going, too. It's also starring a whole lot of names I don't want to try to pronounce because my Russian's a little rusty. And they're not even Russian. A lot of them are Ukrainian or Polish. Well, let's get to a little bit of trivia. There you go. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's scenes were cut in the extended version of the film. So they added to the film by but cutting cut her out. the best part of the whole series. Here are the scenes she Idiots. was going to be in. Because if you wa- look at the credits, her name is in the credits. Her name, I, I, I rented it because you had warned me. Yeah. And every time you move your mouse, it flipping pops up with trivia. And it was like, oh, and Mary Winston. I'm like, I never saw Mary Winston in the whole fucking movie. Quit telling me she's in the movie. In the first airport scene, she no longer drops her father off. The scene was re-edited. In the last shot, you can only see Bruce Willis getting out of the car. Apparently, she's the one driving the car. Come on, guys. During the car chase in Moscow, she doesn't call McLean anymore because he gets a phone call. Really? In the, in the, yeah. The, this time, father and son can look at each other in the slow motion shot. Because that's sexy, man. Yeah. Sexy. And finally, the end scene at the airport was cut. The movie ends with the aerial Chernobyl shot, right? Yep. Despite, she's, despite this, she's not in this version. Her name still appears in the end credits. Apparently, there's a scene where they all are reunited at the very end at the airport when they get back. Is it after the credits? No, it's supposed to be after the Chernobyl shot. They fly back home, and John McClane is reunited with his daughter. He's got his son right there, and they walk off as a family. Well, there was also a little bit of trivia that said Bruce Willis wanted to get what's-her-name, the wife, back in yeah, as well. Yeah, Bonnie Bedelia. And she hasn't been in it since Die Hard 2. Nope. Uh, okay. The Russian day to die hard. The Russian gang had no actual Russian members. The roles were played by Slovakian, Hungarian, Serbian, Mongolian, and Ukrainian actors. Told you. <laughs> Which... You're making a big budget movie like this. Maybe some authenticity would be nice. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, at 97 minutes, this is the shortest film in the series since Die Hard 2. It, it, I, it was over quick, thank and God. And yet it felt like the fucking longest. Well, there is one part that made it feel very, very long. The rest of it wasn't so bad. This is the first film produced by TSG Entertainment. I've never heard of them. No. During the whole scene in the nuclear facility, except where the uranium is stored, everyone is wearing protective gear, except Jack and John, who are seemingly not affected by the radiation. 
I thought that too, but then they run into other guys with guns and they're not wearing it, so it must be a separate area. But the whole time I'm like, no, not, no. The villains have a chemical spray that cancels radioactivity. Not Completely real. impossible. Yep. Not. <laughs> These are things a big, big budget movie shouldn't be overlooking. Nope. Yeah. Grenoble is mentioned by McLean as being a Swiss city. It's actually in France. This is the first diehard film where Bruce Willis's character does not kill the main antagonist. No, Jai throws him off the yeah. roof. Yeah, that's true. And finally, this is the only diehard movie that has a member of John McClane's family where that family member is not kidnapped or held hostage in any way. Also true. This movie could have not been named Die Hard. It could be called Trip to Russia. It could be called James Bond. Except it's not an authentic trip to Russia. No, it's not. <clears throat> or a good James Bond. Uh, I wouldn't even know what you'd recall this. But did you really need John McClane in it? No, you didn't. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Uh, hey, did you uh, look forward to watching this? Uh, actually, yes, because I liked the fourth one. So I was excited until Joe told me over and over <laughs> and over Hold on. And over that it was shit. It is. And so when I asked him if I could borrow it, he flat out <laughs> said, he's like, I don't own that shit. Rent it. <laughs> and so I did. I rented it. I did say that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I was looking forward to it, but uh, after that ringing endorsement, who can, who can really be that excited? Yeah. So I rented it. When this was first released in theaters, I was psyched because I loved Die Hard 4. Yeah. I liked Live Free and Die Hard. I couldn't wait to see what they were going to do with it next. And I hadn't really, I remember I hadn't really seen a lot of promotional material for it. And then when I, you know, I was like, okay, let's let's do this. But to watch for the podcast, no, I was not looking forward to this. In fact, we had to change the date of the podcast because obviously you want to spend some time with your boy tomorrow who's not feeling well. Right? No. My wife is at work all day, so it's just me and the boy. There you go. And if we would have, or if we would have recorded tomorrow, we would have recorded while my little son was dancing around, saying, screaming, "Daddy, watch Star Wars! Daddy, watch Star Wars! Daddy, right. watch Star Wars!" Uh, so, so that's why. Yeah, because so, he's actually feeling better. <laughs> normally, I would have saved this to like su- Saturday morning when we'd be recording, like right before, and be like, "Okay, I'm going to watch this now," uh, just so I had some time. But I was like, Fuck, "I got to cram this in on a Thursday." Yeah, I watched half of it last night and half of it this morning. You and your movie watching, I swear, man, you this is your flow is awful. <laughs> God. Sorry. <laughs> okay, let's go into the synopsis of this dumpster fire. I apologize for my poor pronunciation of names. I had a Victor Chagarin. In Moscow, Viktor Shigarin, a high-ranking but corrupt Russian official, plans on incriminating political prisoner and government whistleblower blower, Yuri Komarov without a fair trial when Komarov refuses to hand over a secret file believed to have convicting evidence against Shigarin. Shigarin. In a separate incident, Jack McClane, played by Jai Courtney, <laughs> is arrested as a result of an assassination, but agrees to testify against Komarov for a shorter sentence. All right. When you're watching the beginning of this, I was actually intrigued. You were? Because I'm sitting there going, I don't know what the hell's going on, and I I didn't care at all. I was intrigued. I was a little intrigued. I was curious about the guy (laughs) in the cell because I saw him playing chess, and he's playing both sides and everything, which eventually, you know, turns out later he's playing both sides of everything, but... yeah. And that see, that's you sort of make jokes about this, but at times this movie, to me, was very smart. But the problem is, is where it was very smart and very cool was so small, and there was such... 
gaps of stupidity between it mm-hmm. that it made my head hurt. But I was intrigued. I, I sort of made me want to be like, okay, this is going to turn into a diehard. How is this all going to set up? So I'm intrigued. May I continue? I'm go- no, I'm going to edit this paragraph here with something different. You ready for this? Sure. Give me a city in America, any big city. Memphis. Okay. In Memphis, Victor, a high-ranking but corrupt government official, plans on incriminating political prisoner and government whistleblower John without a fair trial with whoever. Why does this take place in Russia? Yeah, I don't know. You couldn't do this story here? Valid point. I don't know why it has to take place in Russia. Okay. Unless it's harkening back to the original movie was from the 80s and trying to keep Cold War in it. But... And if they are, that's a bad reason to do it. I'm admitting that. Yeah. But the only connection I could see was, well, the movie was made in the 80s. I, I don't have a good answer for you. Here we go. John McClain, who has not been in touch with his son in years, learns of Jack's whereabouts and circumstances and decides to go to Russia to help him out. When John arrives and approaches the courthouse that now, happens... Hold on. That makes sense as a dad. You would do that. It, this, yeah. You haven't been in touch with your son in years, and now you're going to fly to Russia. Eh, we do stupid things for our kids. <laughs> when John arrives and approaches the courthouse that happens to currently hold Jack and Komarov on trial, an explosion orchestrated by Shigarin and his henchmen occurs in the courthouse, and Jack breaks free with Komarov. Seeing his son, John confronts him, but their dispute is cut short when the henchmen, led by Alec, chase them on the streets of Moscow. But John, Jack, and Komarov manage to escape. Can we get into the fact that his son actually tries to kill him at one point, Yeah, which, again, to me, is intriguing because one of my gripes throughout all of these Die Hard movies has been, why do we fucking care about the family? And this was a movie that at least attempted. It didn't do it. I I concede it didn't do it. The last movie attempted it. And it did it well, which is one of the reasons why I love 4 so much. Yeah. This one attempted to do a dramatic emotional story dealing with the kid, just like they did a dramatic emotional story dealing with the the daughter. Mm -hmm. So... I was still okay with it because it's like, oh, like what so dark happened that these two genuinely hate each other or he hates his dad so bad yeah. and like all of those feelings. And I wanted to see those issues resolved. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was still intrigued. My issue, a 25-minute car chase. Yes. Where I'm pretty sure 5,000 cars <laughs> were destroyed. Like, I'm sorry, folks. If you actually want to sit here and watch this, I, I wish I was kidding you. It's painful. I'm, I don't see how 5,000 cars weren't destroyed yeah. in the making of this movie. And When, it's, does, it's, when it's, does that little Suburban turn into a monster truck? And it starts driving down. I mean, to be fair. As sorry, it was, lady. As it was happening, I kind of thought that was cool until he said that. And I'm like, okay, now we're... And part of me thought, if as I watched that scene... I literally thought, if you take these 25 minutes out, this is still a pretty good movie. If you take this 25 minutes out, it's around an hour long. I I know, but that's (laughs) that. I I honestly feel like that car chase is one of the worst parts of that movie because it's so not realistic. It's not realistic. And you know, it's kind of like it's worse than the F 35 scene. And that's what I was going to say. That's really bad. Last week, we talked about the F 35 scene from Live Live Free and Die Hard. And that was kind of like where the director said, fuck it, we're just throwing it in there. This felt like they did it way too early. Oh, my God, yes. And the other thing, again, it, it, I, I get that John is older, but 
he's doing things a man his age, I don't care what shape you're in, should not be able to do. Would be destroyed very quickly in. Or his body would be ripped to shreds. Yes. Like the whole, maybe you haven't gotten to it yet, but when they fall down the orange tube that construction workers use, oh. I'm sorry, bullshit. Yeah, that. <laughs> there. Yeah, there are too many leaps of faith already in this. Yeah, there really are. Okay, moving on. Hiding in a safe house. Which, by the way, how did he know where to look for his son? Uh, how did he know it was in the courthouse? It yeah. was. It was in the police file. It was in the police file. It was in the police file. Okay. Because if you look, they they're showing scenes of the police file, all in Russian and everything, and then he's got a whole list of who I'm guessing he calls the kid. It was the other direct, the other detective, yeah. back in New York. I assume they're his notes because you're not going to have me believe that John McClane is out of fucking read Russian. Yeah. So he's staring at all of these Russian files, and I'm like, seriously, you're just staring at pictures and attempting to read Russian. But then they show like a notebook sheet with all of these handwritten notes, right? And it has the hotel or the the. Um, not the hotel, the the courthouse. Okay, it has the name of the courthouse on there. So I assume those are translated notes of the the file made by the other New York detective. Gotcha. The uh, I wanted to like the taxi cab scene so bad. I wanted. I to. did too. But it was, it, it started off good, and then by the end, I'm like, okay, so they just made fun of cheesy American or cheesy American, cheesy yeah. Russian, and I'm he, like, that was this could have been nice. The cab driver was no Argyle. No, it was bad. It, yeah. Okay, so and the, I, and the actor that they got to play it is a really good actor. <laughs> yes, he is. And <laughs> they made him look like a doofish, a D-list actor. Yeah. God, that was bad. So anyway, they go to the safe house, hiding yep. in a safe house. John finds out that Jack has been a CIA officer in an undercover operation for the past three years, and he fucked it up in five minutes. Like, see, that's an emotional thing. Like, th- there are aspects of this when you have this idea of Jack having been doing something away from his parents and John in attempting to help his son fucked it up by five minutes. Like there's drama in that. Did they do anything with it? No. You're a CIA officer who's undercover for the past three years. How do they know where he is then? You're not going to give that file to an NYPD detective. Oh, I didn't think of Yeah. The CIA would have known that the NYPD had the file. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's true. That's bullshit, too. Meanwhile, Collins, played by Cole Hauser, who's completely wasted in this movie, Jack's partner, demands the file's location from Komarov so that the CIA can bring Shigarin down. But Collins is soon shot in a bloody shot to the head. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's pretty graphic. I was sort of like, oh, there's our rated R. There's some close-up headshots in this, which are two. brutal. Yeah, two are pretty brutal. He's shot by Shigarin's men and dies as John, Jack, and Komarov survive subsequent heavy gunfire and escape once again. They must have a rabbit's foot in their pocket. Yep. The trio then make their way to a hotel in the city to find the key to a vault containing the file. There they meet Komarov's daughter, Irina, played by Yulia Snigur, who, ironically, as soon as you see her, you're like, wait a second, wasn't she the girl that was just boning the political guy? (laughs) So as soon as you see that, you're like, me this is so <laughs> wrong on so many levels yeah so go on they meet Kamarov's daughter arena whom they earlier planned on joining with but john grows suspicious of arena 
His suspicions are proven correct when Alec and his men crash in and tie John and Jack up while Komarov is taken as a hostage. And Irina confesses to Irina. snitching on them on the, for the millions of dollars to be gained. However, Jack manages to break free of his ties, and the father-son duo fights back, culminating in gunfire exchange that results in John and Jack's escape again. Now, hold on. Yes. The, the tool they used to escape, the little knife with the pocket... Yes. Uh, four bullets. That was cool. Yes, that was a and cool then little gimmick. Them shooting the stained glass, which is really fucking heavy. Yes. Knocking them all down. That was also a cool action shots. Those those two shots mm-hmm. are way more believable as action sequences than all the fucking stuff I've seen so far. <laughs> so those two things are pretty cool. I agree. Then a helicopter shoots into the hotel, and, and I'm supposed to believe that nobody <laughs> nobody notices. <laughs> then I'm done. Nobody in Russia. <laughs> cares that a helicopter is shooting in da- downtown Moscow? Yeah. F- you believability? Come on, man. It, apparently, I know Russia's fucked up, but they're pretty militaristic. Apparently, they're going to notice a helicopter shooting a hotel. Apparently, Moscow evacuated faster than the Suicide Squad movies to- town evacuated. Oh, I thought you were going to say audiences. I'm like, that's mean. No, dude. no, no. That's it, just mean. It, Suicide Squad was not a bad movie. It just had a lot of bad things in it. Um... So that whole helicopter scene, and then when they jump down the 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 construction orange shoot. shoot, that's just no bull. Yeah, it was more believable when Macaulay Culkin did it in Home Alone too. Come on, you know what? There was a couple little things in here that made me smile as I was watching it and saved it from a failing grade. And one is when he goes, "I hate the Americans, especially cowboys." And you just see he's going to say his yippee kaye, it's coming anytime, and you're and like, he didn't. He doesn't say it. He just starts laughing, and I was just like, that's way too meta. Come on. You know, don't don't give that away. Yeah. Don't do that. And then he just starts laughing, and you're like, he, they do a laugh with him, and the guy goes, "What are you doing?" You know, and he wait. Starts, you don't realize why he was laughing like that. I'm sitting there going, it, "Why does he keep going back?" Like the director, why does he keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth? And I'm like, you couldn't have thought of a witty one liner for him to say at that point, or no, give him you know why they were to be la- Bruce no, Willis. No, 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 no. That was actually pretty brilliant what they were doing. They were laughing because the more Bruce Willis's character is laughing, the more McLean is laughing. They're concentrating on him, and it gives Jack time to move his hands because let's be honest. If you're bound, yeah. you can see him moving your hands, but they're not paying attention to their hands. They're trying to figure out why the f- they're laughing so much and everything. But couldn't they have was put pr- some Bruce Willis lines in there for that? Okay. Like, they they could talk they, it out. Yes, they could have put lines in there, but... I, I understand why they kept having him laugh and laugh over and over. Yeah. It's to allow Jack time to cut his bonds. And I agree. That, that time was spent to get him to cut the bonds. Yeah. But I'm just, I just wish it was better well spent. Okay. You know? The next thing you're about to read, I first thought unbelievable, but then when Jack gives his explanation, I'm like, huh, that actually may be one of the easiest ways to give two of your stars an entire truck full of guns. Like, I, I actually could believe that. Okay. Actually happening. That night, the two steal a car full of firearms and drive to Chernobyl, Ukraine. Uh, okay, not the end of the sentence. I, the beginning of the sentence. Okay. Can I just say that if, you know, that night, you, you can't drive from Moscow to Chernobyl in one night. No, you can't. Yeah. Uh, which is the location of the vault that houses the file, as revealed earlier by Komarov at the safe house. When they arrive, they find that Komarov, Irina. 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 And Irina. Urethra and Alec have already gotten there. <laughs> you wanted to use that for a while. I just popped in my head. <laughs> but but they didn't know it's what popping, they don't know. Is it? 
is that on their way there, it was revealed that there was never a file in existence and that the vault actually contains billions of dollars worth of weapons-grade uranium. Alec is then shot in the head by the seemingly helpless Komarov, who later called Shigarin and told him that he and Arena had manipulated the entire sequence of events since the beginning in an attempt to obtain the uranium and get revenge on Shigarin for his past betrayal of Komarov. Shigarin was then killed by a subordinate of Komarov's, and the audience wonders, why do I care about any of these characters? Yeah, the reveal was underwhelming. I kind of saw that there's no file coming for a while. They go to Chernobyl, and they immediately talk about the radioactivity because in case you didn't know there was a problem there like huge yeah and then they use a chemical substance <laughs> i can't say this without laughing to spray on the uranium to cancel out the radioactivity and my brain said Bullshit. i can't Bullshit. i can I, I can i can believe a man can get bit by a spider and get radioactive abilities <laughs> but I can't. I can't take this leap of faith. There's a magic spray that <laughs> eliminates radioactivity. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> I just. I tried. Because here's me. the thing. I have. I have always said on this show that I have this ability. You mock my ability to go blank and go. I will go in without anything I know before. Tell me the story. But this movie broke me. <laughs> I I completely buy it because <laughs> if you have this magic spray then drop nukes everywhere <laughs> it would be easy wouldn't like, it like it'd be all right just spray it everywhere yeah that <laughs> yeah keep going because okay there's at a... this point i was done too there's another part here where i'm sitting there going what was they making that choice and that is kamarov and arena it's revealed that they're father daughter right yes yes they For have a moment a... yeah they have a moment where i'm like are they gonna start making out i also was like they're gonna aren't they that's gross. Yeah. Like, I genuinely, like, I was attracted to her, and then the whole, like, there's that moment where you realize that Leia was Luke's sister, <laughs> and you throw up a little bit for thinking that that was cute, you're like, Ugh. Yeah. And then, like, there was that moment where I'm like, if they even kiss, I'm going to <laughs> slam my computer shut just... and stop watching. Like, this, is why, this is why Joe told me not to watch that's, this. This is just too bad. Yeah, I also was like, oh, don't do it. Oh, please. Like, I felt the bile coming up my <laughs> chest. <laughs> yeah, great director's choice right there, setting up that scene. Okay. I mean, she's good looking, but not when you have her playing. Oh, not when she's a daughter. No, that's just so wrong. So, okay. At this point, John and Jack enter the vault, <laughs> completely unprotected. Discover, but it's a good thing they sprayed that spray on there. Otherwise, exactly, it would hurt, right? How else do we see the hero's face? <laughs> yes. Discover Kamarov's true plot and take him under arrest. Irina. <laughs> I can't say the name. Irina. Irina, with another henchman, comes to her father's aid. But before they can escape, Jack goes after Kamarov while John goes after Irina, who is escaping on a helicopter. It, but that sounds more correct than what you were saying before. Irina tries oh, to protect God. her father by firing the helicopter's cannons at Jack. For a second time, he's fired <laughs> at by a fucking helicopter, and nothing hits him. But John is able to bring the helicopter helicopter out of the balance helicopter? by driving a truck in the hangar section of the helicopter, still shackled by a rope, out of the open back door, muttering the catchphrase, yippee ki motherfucker. In rage, Jack hurls Komarov off the rooftop, and Komarov falls into the spinning helicopter's rotors and is killed. 
John jumps off the helicopter and reunites with Jack inside the building. Now, okay. Wanting to avenge her father, Irina rams the helicopter into the building, destroying the building and killing herself in the process. While she watches the two of them jump out free completely, but they've just jumped down, I think I counted eight stories. Into a large pool of water. Into a large pool of water. Which would feel like cement. Exactly. And it's probably radioactive. They didn't spray that water, did they? Oh, God. (laughs) And then they cut to Chernobyl. And the scene, and they walk away as father and son. But! And they've resolved their issues magically. There is more, according to IMDb. Afterwards, John and Jack return to New York. At the airport, they meet Lucy, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Who would have been the only bright spot in this whole movie if you actually fucking saw her? John's oldest child and Jack's sister. And the reunited family happily walks off together. So that is a good day to die hard. Oh, by the way, I figured out where they got the name because as they're having their father-son moment, he goes, you know what? All in all, it was it was a good day. He says that to Jack. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I got it. I just, it still wasn't funny. Yeah. Well, I didn't think it was funny. I'm just like, that's where that's the cheesiness of it. <sighs> yeah. I didn't remember in Die Hard 2 where they were this like, you know what we should do? We should die harder this time. This This isn't one of those movies where I'm just like, wow, this is just bad. This is one of those movies that was bad when it didn't have to be. Like, it really didn't. Like, I'm I'm more pissed like, yeah, you phoned this in. Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready for things that worked well in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, going to be a short list. <laughs> if you want my honest opinion, I still stand by the overall story is an interesting one that I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. If you take the scenes of dial the scenes and dialogue themselves, remove all the action, remove all the other stuff, if you just take the dialogue and I'm including the scenes that, that are between Bruce Willis and Jai Courtney, the dialogue is not terrible. It really isn't. And Bruce Willis, I know we just joked about phoning in it. Bruce Willis actually acts it pretty well. I really yeah. do. And the 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 scenes with uh Charkarov are are really good as well in the arena and all of them. You mean Kamarov Sh- or yes. Shigarin? Shigarin. I meant Shigarin. Yeah. Sorry. The problem is, is you'll have this moment of very believable emotional acting, and then you'll have a helicopter blow up the top of a building, and they're <laughs> magically walking away with a cut on their forehead. Yeah, like that. That was too much. I'm sorry. the 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 story idea was good. They just said you to believability all right uh things that worked well for me bruce wells is gonna die as john mcclain at some point you you think there's gonna be a diehard six uh he's trying to work it it's supposed to be a prequel so they're gonna what they're gonna do is they're gonna have john mcclain in the middle of a situation apparently and then they're gonna have a flashback to the younger john mcclain whoever that's gonna be uh in a situation long before the original diehard that's the thought process right now for this movie no, don't do it. It's that. in development. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but it's in no, development. I'm saying John McClane or Bruce Willis is going to die at, in, on set at some point, making Die Hard 20 or something. But Although if, that John, were, if John McTiernan came back to make Die Hard 20, would you watch it? If he came back, definitely. Okay, sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, but things that worked well, uh, uh, Bruce Willis, you know, even when he phones it in, he does a good job. Yeah, and it's you know I, I don't know if that's because everyone else around him sucked, and he was just like that you know the one person that could finish the race, uh, or if he was actually that good in it. Uh, I would say 
as ridiculous as many of the special effects are, the number of bullet wounds to heads up close looked realistic. That one on Alex was really like, I, it was a jump scare for me. Yeah. I jumped back. I'm like, holy sh-. It's a ballsy move to put, move to put the, the, the camera that close to something like that because you risk the chance that it looks fake. Yeah, you're going to see the squib blow up and all that, but I don't, I actually, not, I don't care enough to re rent the movie or re watch it, but, <laughs> but it almost makes you want to be like, all right, they used a squib really close to his head. Yeah. How did they blow a squib really close to his head without him like losing his hearing forever? Yeah. The other thing I'll say is this movie did not look as CGI as the last. I agree. So those are things that worked well. Now, the things that didn't work. Wrong type of action. Like the every single action movement is the F-35 scene. It's so f***ing unbelievable mm-hmm. that fr- the very first action scene is that big car race. It looks more realistic, but it is unbelievable. Yeah, it, it looks more realistic. The yeah. CGI is better. But it's totally not a single action sequence in the entire movie is believable. No. Not one. So the action is horrible. They went for explosions and craziness when they could have made realistic spy action movie with the drama of a dad and son getting back together. That was, yeah. And in which case, you wouldn't even need John McClane for this one. No. Now, for me, listen, I've I've poo-pooed this movie the entire time. Here are the things that didn't work well for me. The plot you can't relate to because it's not a diehard plot. This is not a diehard plot. Diehard 1 took place in L.A. Diehard 2, D.C. Diehard 3, New York. Diehard 4, multiple states. Okay, why in Russia? This makes no sense. If you're going to pull somebody out because of a CIA relation, okay, he shouldn't have that information if the CIA is worth its damn. No. Yeah, believability is the biggest problem with this movie. It's not believable. The, the, again, too many leaps of faith. I'm okay with two, three, or four of them. But when you give me a 12, come on. Uh, the acting in it sucked. The, the plot was hard to follow. In the end, it's just another goddamn heist. Yep. Just another way to get some money. This time it's for weapons-grade uranium, which, yeah, I'm sure in Chernobyl, that's just all hanging out there, and they haven't pulled that out. Yep. I, there's a reason I don't own this movie. I own every Harry Potter movie. Because even despite the fact that I hate Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, 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 I own every Star Trek movie, even though Star Trek the Motion Picture is a dumpster fire. I own every Star Wars movie, including the Clone Wars movie, even though it's not that good. But I will never own Die Hard 5 because it is not a Die Hard movie. I actually agree, and I'm a staunch completionist as well, and I I also won't buy this. Yeah. I won't buy it because I feel like they failed at what could have been a, a pretty good movie. But I'll say this. Part of the reason why we did this as a series is because, you know, there are many people out there that haven't seen the Die Hard movies. Yeah. And by listening to this, you know what you're getting into with this. If you want to be a completionist, this is what you are getting into. Yep. And tell us we're wrong. Watch this and, t- and disagree Oh, by all us. means, disagree with us. We'd love to laugh at you. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, there are listeners. Okay, so uh, after you see this movie, yep, you wrote something here. What'd you say? Lost opportunity. Bingo. 
what did what did I think? Lost opportunity. The story idea seemed like a noble cause or good place to go. Mm-hmm. It actually could have brought some depth to the Die Hard franchise, but it turned into explosions and action <laughs> everywhere. That's not what you wrote. Read <laughs> what you wrote. Explosions and action everywhere. My reaction to this was, what the fuck was that? <laughs> And when I saw this in the theater, I'm sure I said something very similar to that. Yeah, probably. Okay, who's the audience for this movie? <laughs> yeah, I... Um, Those that uh, enjoy action. <laughs> I can't think of anybody that should go watch this. Maybe a completionist, but as you and I just said, no. Like, don't you don't need to. You have to really love Bruce Willis movies to go, I need this on my shelf. Yep. It's, yeah. I put it's gluttons for punishment. And uh, yeah. yeah. So here's our movie report card. Mine's mine's a D. Oh, you're dropping yours. I yeah, mine's a D. Okay. The the things that kept it from being a failing grade. I still think the story had potential. And Bruce Willis and Jai Courtney do a fair job of acting. The actual actors and their acting do great. The problem is is ninety percent of this movie is action mm-hmm. and a hundred percent of the action is bull. Yeah, <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> for so. me, this movie said I gave it a D minus. This movie is such a departure from where the franchise started. I'm not going to read this whole thing about where it takes place and all that because I've already beaten that in the ground. Yeah, but I can't believe somebody walked into the studios and said, "I've got a great idea for a Die Hard movie. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, we've got this new up and comer, Jai Courtney. He's going to be great someday." And. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll pull Bruce Willis out of mothballs, and we'll throw him in there, and it'll be a father-son dynamic, and here's, here's the best part. It takes place in Russia. Here's the money. Go. By the way, most of our facts that we're going to say are going to be completely incorrect. That's okay. Here's the money. Go make it. We're going to make up as we go. Yes. Here's the money. Go make it. Did this make money? I'm sure it made money. Oh. <sighs> I mean, think about this. You came off of four Die Hard films that were pretty successful. The last one, Live Free and Die Hard, being probably the most successful monetarily. Easily, yeah. People were going to go see this in droves that opening weekend, despite what happened. So, D minus, stupid. Yep. That's all we have to say about uh, a good day to Die Hard. Thank God we're past the series. That's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>